Hey there, it's Ben. I'm wanting to give a quick shout out to all of you who have been sharing the Hydean way around for people to learn more about Genesis and the Star Wars RPG line, as well as letting other people know about us. I'm also wanting to give a quick shout out to Sheldon Wyotech, our latest backer on Patreon, and you can be like them at patreon.com slash the Hydean way. Thank you, and now on to the show. Risa, whose idea was it to have a chainsword on this mech? Why is there a button for a chainsword? What is a rocket punch? I know this was supposed to be a relaxation experience, but this is confusing. There's a manual around here somewhere, but I can't reach it seeing as how I'm stuck inside my mech, and the manual is what tells me how I can get out. Welcome to a warped tale from the Hydean Way. We're your hosts, Risa D. And Bang Yindle. In this one, we are going to be a bit on the nerdy side. This entirely comes out of, we like a lot of media, and by gum, when this is being recorded, this is just before (laughs) the wide box office release of Bumblebee, a Transformers movie, done by Travis Knight, as opposed to Michael Bay. (laughs) And apparently, people are loving it, especially at this time. I have no idea, I haven't seen it yet. Though, with the reviews coming out, I'm probably going to end up seeing this. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> the topic, as Risa put before we hit record, was Genesis being the system that it is, you can do almost anything you want in it. Like, sure, we've got the, this is how you play Star Wars in it, but Genesis is so open, and the magic system is amazing. Yep. And you can do pretty much anything. Like, gash or FFG's coming out with their own books, and I mean, I'm eagerly waiting the Beanstalk one, whatever it's <laughs> called. Shadow of the Beanstalk. That's it. The Android setting, because yeah. by gum, I like the Android setting. Well, I like cyberpunk. Just, I don't like doing a huge amount of math, so I like <laughs> cyberpunk. <laughs> there are just so many settings that you can do with it and turn and play in those universes. Like, That's the idea of what Genesis is, as being a generic system. There's just so many ideas to it that are amazing. Yeah, so uh, we're going to be big nerds, just huge nerds, and take some of our favorite universes and try to translate them into Genesis. Pretty much. That sounds like a lot of fun to me. And I am constantly thinking about it. I am constantly (laughs) thinking about it. I'm not going to lie. We watch movies and stuff like that, and I'm constantly... This system has ruined me. (laughs) We'll be watching a movie, and I'll be like, wow, they really failed that deception check. Ah, I mean, you're just sitting there, and anything you're watching... Like, we were watching Lord of the Rings, and normally you'd think, wow, that's a and d movie, right? No, I'm thinking of it. I was thinking about it like it was like it was Genesis because why not? It's fun. Well, you could really do the Realms of Terranoth thing going with it yeah, too. Yeah, that's very true. And it, it was mostly just because it's more open on the magic thing, right? It's it's not right. so so exact like in D and D. You know, it's a lot more wishy washy on magic, which is why I was I was like, yeah, no, totally. So we were watching uh, Fellowship and. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Every single thing that was happening, I was like, well, that was a that was a bunk roll right there. Mm-hmm. But I do that with pretty much everything. And with all of my favorite things, I would be lying if I told you I hadn't thought about how I would translate it into a Genesis 
campaign. So let's let's just let's just get started. <laughs> the the reason why I'm just sort of struck speechless is I'm trying to think of settings that would be great in Genesis that couldn't just cop out and just because use Star Wars. I, I you know what? I'm just gonna start I'm gonna start the one that the moment Genesis came out or was announced, I was like, I wanna make an Avatar the Last Airbender campaign. Ooh. That was my immediate thought because of how they started describing magic. And I was like, I was like, I really want to do that. And I've yep. seen a lot of people online have done their own thing, but I have different opinions on how that should happen. <laughs> I have very different opinions, I would have to say. And in my opinion, obviously there are, in Genesis, there are the three types of magic. There's arcane, primal, and divine. And that doesn't matter in a, a, a bending universe. We just get rid of those and we make our own. Everything in Genesis, the rulebook, is these are examples. Yeah. Just because they're in the rulebook doesn't mean we have to use those. Exactly. Especially once you're striking into more emotional styles of magic, es mm -hmm. especially when I'm thinking of The Last Airbender <laughs> or Korra. People's personalities get so much into their bending, especially yes. in Korra. I want to borrow something that I, I am very certain is somewhere in the DNA of the Genesis system. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've actually seen the rules for it or if I'm just imagining I had seen these rules. But it is absolutely 100% in the Five Rings. I recently picked up the books and I was reading through the beginner box because apparently giant nerd. and <laughs> No shame. The way that that system, it just screams at me how I think magic in like a avatar setting would be is you have the fuel for it and you have the skill for it and the fuel for it doesn't necessarily have to be constant. Like you've got the one that it's normally home to, but sometimes you have a different basis behind it. Yeah. Where you can shift attributes. I can see that. I would definitely put like a basis for each one. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think like willpower is very important for like earthbending. I would definitely use willpower for earthbending. And I feel like I would use cunning for... <laughs> so this is where this is where I'm like, oh, I don't know. I want to use cunning for firebending, I feel like, or airbending. I can't decide. One or the other. I definitely want to use int for waterbending because of the healing powers oh. that go along with it. Because you can use waterbending for healing. So you would already want to stat out a waterbender to have int in case you wanted to go with medicine. Right? As well. That makes so much sense. So I would say int for waterbending. Yeah. And that's where you get like the either presence or cunning for airbending or firebending. And I can't decide... Because I want to say cunning for... Because it's so hard. So hard to choose for me. So hard to choose. I agree. It's amazingly hard to choose. And I'm kind of... That's the reason why I keep thinking of why do we have to? Like there is... That's true. I just want... I would want to do it as like a as like a set thing. And then like as, as you're doing the role, you can kind of change based on... Okay. The motivation behind the check kind of a thing. All right. Like, I would definitely want to say, and I would, I would honestly think cunning for airbending and presence for firebending. That's what I would say. Now that I think about it. Now that I'm thinking about it. And here I was thinking the exact opposite. 
Well, I'm thinking cunning for air because of specifically like how the air nomads are and, and, and how, how the entire culture of them, of how they were and how part of like a huge part of who they were were like being pranksters and stuff. And that's pretty part much, of, yeah. Part of what got that for me, whereas not quite the same for the Fire Nation. They're more about leading and leading by example and stuff. So leadership is a very big thing. And so if you were going to stat out a firebender, you would want them to have high presence. And that's the other thing is when you're thinking about it. <laughs> okay, I'm yeah, when I'm thinking of an airbender, I'm thinking high cunning, secondary in agility. Yes, definitely. When I'm thinking of a firebender, I totally get presence for firebending. Yeah. The secondary just sort of swings for me between cunning, intelligence, sometimes even will. Like, it really depends on, like, the bender themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, like, Zuko was not cunning. Oh, no. Zuko was not cunning at all. Azula uh, was cunning. Mm-hmm. Some of them higher agility. Just depend- that, that just depends on the person. Depends on the bender. Just like, whereas with an earth bender, I would think it would be willpower and then brawn for most of them. Yeah, that's pretty much where I was going. Definitely. Though Toph has like one brawn, but she has all of those brawn skills like really trained <laughs> up. Well, not just that. Like, yeah, she's like five ranks in most of these things, but also oh, yeah. I'm figuring her secondary stat would be cunning. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, because. She is the, the most ingenious person. <laughs> well, the lying, the just, she's one of the ones who came up with metal bending. So, yeah. like, she's very experimental in it. Like, yeah, you kind of have that with an intellect bit, but I would really say it's much more in yeah. practically closer to cunning base for her as opposed to an intellect base. And this is the second reason why I just start swinging wildly at what attributes get used with what skills. Yeah. Because it's approaches. I mean, for all of them, I feel like willpower is definitely a huge thing. Like, you'd have to do at least some discipline checks sometimes to do oh, it, yes. to be able to, like, really tame an element. <laughs> you really have to yep. do a discipline check, like, against the element. Especially, like, with fire and water. It's like, like, if there's a raging fire and you're trying to firebend that, like, down, I'm going to make you do a discipline check to try and, like, tame that fire as well. Especially since you're going to start freaking out because there's a huge fire, right? Or if there's like a huge wave coming towards you and you're trying to... You're not Katara. You're not going to be able to stop the wave. Well, and it's not just that. Every time, like, the things that you're talking about are just generally scary. Yeah, that too. Discipline check to try and tame it. It just being yeah. fear. Yeah. The flip side to that is, okay, you've got these big scary things. Then you've got something that is more liquid than water that just gets in everything. Yeah. And you're trying to make it actually do what you want. Yeah. That is a true extension of someone's will, is yeah. getting something as fickle as air to do what you want it to. And not just in a, I will force it to, but I will use its own methods, not against it, but with it. And that's why it's cunning. That's why it's cunning. Because if it was <laughs> specifically willpower, you'd just be forcing it to do with what you want. Whereas if you're using cunning, you're having to like... Use your wiles to get to do it. And See? that See? also explains why earthbending is wills on account mm -hmm. of, yeah, essentially you're out. Talk about stubborn. <laughs> like yeah. earthbenders by nature are stubborn. Exactly. Every single time that they've shown up, they're stubborn. You have to out-earth the earth. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly so who's it. Boss? <laughs> Except like Boomy was like willpower with cunning. He definitely he definitely had cunning as well. Yeah. I've watched the show too many times. <laughs> That's how I would do the last airbender world in Genesis. Is there one you'd like to do? I think we can probably get at least three, maybe four. Probably. Especially if we do magic variants. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. I'm not normally drawn a huge amount to magic style systems. Mm -hmm. I'm so deep into the textile things that when it gets mystical, I start like just using force powers as a <laughs> cheat is quite acceptable to me. An example being Farscape. I don't know if you've got any experience with it, but no. it's Australian. It is amazingly Australian. It <laughs> also is one of those ones where it had a vision and it took about a half season to get to the vision. By the time you're through there, it's half Stockholm Syndrome, half it actually gets good. <laughs> okay, one of those. I can't remember exactly what my starting on point was, but it's like, okay, start at the fifth to the end episode of season one. And go from there, and by that point, it will become Farscape that everyone knows and loves and has gone absolutely... The amount of things... The thing that I like about that is that it is so over the top. It is an adventure-style TV show where a small group is going through and affecting huge amounts of change. It's not grim and gritty. Well... In its effect on people, it's grim and gritty, and it really doesn't pull punches, which is great. But you have a small group going on and affecting intergalactic politics just because one guy knows how to do a particular thing. It's like, yeah, the one human in the entire show is the one who knows how to make wormholes, and thus everyone thinks that this is a giant weapon, so... All the major powers are chasing after him. And these are the adventures that we have outrunning everyone and then playing against them against each other. It's just weird in Australian. <laughs> there are several cases in there where it is truly mystical, like a very spiritual side. They've got a priestess in the first season. Yeah, it changes secondary characters a lot. Actually, yeah, you've either got a priestess or... I don't know. He might be a god. I really forget what Stark was. He had this weird thing on his face that just sort of lit up and did things. Sort of deus ox machina in some ways. But <laughs> each one of the characters in the ship, Moya, had their own style to it. It is such a Firefly-esque or a, like, it's very much the ragtag group that's on the run from a military and their adventures they have in response to it. This time the ship is broken, so we need to get these coils off of this derelict ship or so many of the running around type adventures <laughs> that you would subject a Edge of the Empire crew to. Oh, we're going to be doing the Haunted Derelict episode. Or we're doing the High Politics because we've landed somewhere. We're doing the X-Files version because <laughs> we've landed on a primitive planet. Primitive in air quotes. And it's <laughs> there in Outback, Wisconsin. <laughs> There's just so many things that you can do it as long as you go for it. I guess that's sort of the reason why I more gravitate towards the Star Wars things, because it just sort of seems to be a bit larger than life and its intent. Yeah. If I was to go for a Genesis one, if anything, the one that just sort of jumps out at me is the Detective Pikachu trailer. 
<laughs> okay. I am slightly too old for the Pokemon game. Yeah. Yeah, I am just slightly too old. I'm slightly too old for Magic. It was just not the games I was into. I By that point, I was D&D and Rifts. <laughs> People have so much bandwidth. You can only pay attention to so much. Yeah. There was all the Star Trek stuff on TV. There was Rifts and yeah. Pokemon in Genesis sounds fantastic. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the thing, is that it's one of those places where you have a controller and then you've got a minion that the controller is using. Like, so attacks are running through the minion, and then they have specialized attacks and what they can do. Essentially, you've got talent. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to be doing a lightning strike. Well, this essentially talented thing is... Now, you can do a leap attack that does electrical damage, and if you roll to advantage, you can cause an extra three strain to whatever it is you're attacking. That's fantastic. I love this. Absolutely love this. And then you have to do, <laughs> instead of just like throwing stuff at it, you can also tame Pokemon at, with the discipline check and everything like you would yep. in Star Wars to be able to tame a beast. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely love this idea. And I, you know, I bet someone has already done it. I bet someone has done out all of the Pokemon moves and statted out every single Pokemon, or at least the, <laughs> the first, the first generation. I bet someone has done it, and I, that sounds fantastic. That does sound like it'll be kind of fun to peruse through. That would at least be a really fun one-off. Get all your friends together and let them <laughs> choose a starter, <laughs> and you do your own like bad guy group. You get to do your own team of bad guys and have their own, like, crazy evil scheme that your entire group, <laughs> instead of just one person, your entire group of PCs has to go try and thwart. Then it's closer to the anime instead of just, just the games, which, you know, <laughs> more fun. Then it's teamwork. The magic of teamwork as well. <laughs> I mean, come on. That sounds fantastic. Anime is, like, an amazing amount of stuff you can do from anime. I would love to do Sailor Moon yeah. in Genesis. That would be fun. You'd have to have, everyone would have to have, like, signature, like, you'd have to create different spells, basically, hmm. and do a role for them, because that's the thing, is that it's not like you do a specific, like, magic role every time. It's a specific, like, it's not spells, obviously, in, in the show, or in the, no. in the manga, it's attacks because that's what that's what it is it's magic attacks in in anime i love it such amazing things like moon tiara boomerang or moon healing escalation or my favorite venus love me chain amazing <laughs> yeah. amazing things that make no sense in english but they say in english because english is the cool thing to say so you have all of these names for these spells these attacks and then you just come up with how much base damage they would do so that comes up with like what kind of difficulty they would be to do mm -hmm. right and then you'd be able to use them and so i know that oh moon healing escalation is going to do base damage of like seven damage because that's always been a very powerful attack you know if you knew <laughs> anything about sailor moon <laughs> Which I know far too much about Sailor Moon. Um, <laughs> that, but it's also something that she doesn't do all the time. So it's probably a, like a hard attack then. It's not something that yeah. she's just going to... It's not Moon Tiara Boomerang, which is probably like easy, but it only does like base damage four, 
right? Yeah, I can see that. You know. <laughs> Kinda, yes. I'm sorry. It's been a while, but... <laughs> Here's the thing, though, is that... Mm -hmm. What you're coming up with there really speaks to me in that you're coming up essentially with these sort of set spells or set attacks and then having a difficulty form so that, yeah, sure, the GM can do whatever the heck they want. Like, okay, this person's dodging and rolling in behind cover as you're doing the moon healing escalation, then <laughs> that's going to be two purple, one red, and a setback check. Instead exactly. of it just being three purple. Exactly. And they're holding your they're holding your ally. So now it's gonna be upgraded again. Exactly. Your heart shaped beams are gonna hit your friend as well. And then Tuxedo Mask will run away and you'll take a setback because you're always wondering what the heck do you do? What are you doing? You're gonna go get kidnapped again. I mean really. <laughs> There's a roses, but otherwise. Yeah, I just, I would love to see that. And people to come up with their own, like, sailor, like, personas and their own sailor attacks and stuff. I'd love all of that. That would sound like so much fun. Yeah. Like, I'm Sailor Karen or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. And, it's, and it would translate really well into Genesis. Taking that idea and then flipping it into another property that is near and dear to my heart. Flipping around and doing a Genesis version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. Well, since Daredevil's been in the news lately, TMNT always sort of rises to my radar at that point. <laughs> Weird esoteric history that at some point I might just link to, but Daredevil, <laughs> TMNT, directly related. Okay, you've got them each with their signature weapons. So having the ability to reduce difficulty on dual wielding for them. Yeah. Because they never don't. Or it's like weapon training, reduce difficulty of melee attacks with this specific weapon or like with your personal weapon yeah. by one. Sure, doing a two weapon katana attack is still an average check. Yeah. But if Leo's ever on his own, just with one katana, then just slices everyone into pieces. And having attacks for them that sort of escalate. The idea of having like set attacks, like almost using attacks like magic. Yeah. That, that really does sort of speak to me because there is so many things that you can do, but then also you leave it up to chance and being able to have the advantage threat aspect to it. Yeah. Anytime that, like, it would be, does it hit or does it not hit? Because you can always try to do an attack and have it not hit. Anytime that it's, like, a special attack, you can have that be their special attack that they specifically roll for. Right? Yeah. And then they can accidentally miss, even if it if they're calling out the attack. They can still miss. Then you've got the advantage threat. So it's like, okay, I miss, but I've been able to pin their armor to the wall or something like that. They have to struggle to get free of their armor, which will remove them for a round, and I no longer have that weapon, but I no longer have this enemy that is trying to attack me. Yeah. And it looks amazingly comic bookish as someone is pinned to the <laughs> wall by their jacket. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. I really like the system with the advantage and threat. And me too. Like, success and failure, of course, I like, and having the triumph and despairs again, of course, they're amazing. But it's the th advantage threat that just keeps me here. Yeah. 
applying that to even something like doing Realms of Terranoth. Oh, we've got a thing on here. It's like you, everyone is going to love. <laughs> doing Realms of Terranoth and essentially doing a fantasy world in Genesis. Personally, I'd be more inclined to try and like rework the Lost Minds of Fendelver and do that than I would be to try and run Lost Minds just <laughs> as D&D. Because I like the threat advantage so much. Yeah. We keep on talking about the setting, but your urban fantasy setting, <laughs> it really speaks to me on account of I'm not exactly a huge secret society type person, as we've talked in previous <laughs> episodes. But the thing that really just kind of draws me to the a secret magic society type thing, I like the modern world alongside magic and having the extra tool to solve problems. I guess it's kind of the same reason why I like cyberpunk as much as I do. It's the extra tools for modern problems. Yeah. You know what would be fun, though? Taking that, what you just said, X-Men. Ooh. X-Men in Genesis. That's having that extra, <laughs> that extra little thing to help solve modern problems. I would love to do an X-Men campaign. That'd be so fun because all the players could come up with their own mutation, right? They could all come up with their own what type of mutant they are. Yeah, and essentially their mutation would become its own skill. Yep. I would have that be part of their like starting XP, depending on what they want it to be. Like, take that away. <laughs> That's what I ended up doing with all of my mythics. <laughs> I gave them all 100 XP to start with. And if they came up with something like, I've talked about the djinn. She she has she can't touch copper, and if she does touch copper, she loses her free will. So if someone puts copper on her, she becomes their slave, basically. So Oof. I gave her five XP for that because that's a that's a minus, right? Yeah. Whereas I have my Valkyrie, she can sprout wings with a resilience check, and her wings can cause people to they have to do a a fear check when they see her that her do that because Fair. she's a Valkyrie. And so that costs her 10 XP at creation. See, and you keep on calling yourself mean. I totally have gone with 20. Well. It's a personal taste thing. To be honest, I at, at creation, I'm very, very lax. <laughs> well, to be fair, I am too, but. So it's that kind of like give and take of it. Yeah. That's kind of how I would do it with the mutants as well. So if it's like Cyclops, <laughs> he, you know, he's got... The laser beams shoot out of his eyes, but he also can't control it. So mm -hmm. that would only cost five XP, right? Okay. <laughs> if he wanted to be able to control it, it would cost like 10 or 15, right? <laughs> but he can't control it, so it, it costs less. <laughs> it costs him five for the force beams. It costs him five more for the sunglasses. <laughs> kind of like a breathing gant. <laughs> You can, sure, you can be a breathing gand, but that's, you get to keep 10 XP for it. <sighs> yeah. As opposed to, then you've got the ultra healers, in which case, yeah, that's going to be like 20. Oh, yeah, definitely. Or like Storm? Oh, no, sh that's like 30 XP. Storm, <laughs> that was 30 XP. She's like super OP. Whereas then you have like Rogue, where it's like, everyone I touch dies if I touch them for too long. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's like 10 XP because you kind of can also get things out of it. <laughs> so it's not like she keeps things. She only, she only, you know, takes their powers for a little bit. So it's not like super, super useful. 
Yeah, but... It's not like Magneto. Magneto, that's super useful. Magneto is in the realm of Storm. Yeah, that's like 30 XP. You want that kind of thing, that's 30 XP. You're left with 70 XP for the rest of your character. (laughs) On the other hand, in Genesis, 70 XP is still a pretty huge amount. It is. It definitely is. Especially if you've gone with an archetype that already has like four and something, which some of them do. So, you know. And I mean, if you wanted to go for Professor X, that's like 40 XP. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Putting that out there. (laughs) I I totally agree. X-Men would be so much fun. It would. Like, all the normal skills apply for the most part. In some cases, their mutant ability is skill-based. Like, it would just be its own skill, like mutation or whatnot. In some cases, it would be... Honestly, with Storm, I'd just pretty much go with... All right, you've got like three ranks in primal magic. Yeah, definitely. The mutant version of magic uh, tied into, I don't know, will? Hmm. Yeah, I guess if you're trying to control a storm, willpower makes sense. Controlling weather, but cunning also makes sense, and primal is in, with cunning. Like, cunning does make sense. I'm just sort of thinking of how storm actually uses it. I mean, she's willpower-based as a character. Yeah, like, that that's like, kind of my thing, is that Storm, to me, strikes... Monroe is absolutely will-based. So, her, to me, her primal would be tied to her will. Definitely. Whereas, like, with <laughs> Wolverine, he'd just have to do resilience checks for all, all of his stuff. All the time. Stuff. All of his stuff would be based around resilience checks. And, like, it would just have to do with taking more strain if he failed the resilience checks. Resilience checks and melee. Like, otherwise, just one presence. Seriously, this is Wolverine. Every time he tries to extend his claws, he has to do a resilience check to see if he takes extra strain. Mm -hmm. And he has to take two strain to do it to begin with. And I mean, he he regenerates it. Absolutely, like also getting extra ranks in second wind. Yeah. There's a, you have to spend it and then get it back and it turns into this whole thing. Yeah, I could absolutely see that. Yeah. That would be an amazing one-shot or two-shot. Oh, yeah, definitely. It'd be really fun. I'm just trying to think of one other property that we could do. I want, like, Power Rangers <laughs> or something with mechs. It would be really fun. Okay, Um, you say that. The thing about mechs mm-hmm. is I am not a fan of this website's name, which is the reason why <laughs> I don't link to them near as much as I really should. But Cannibal Halfling, they've got an entire set of mech homebrew (laughs) stuff. And they have gone through and done as much thinking out of it as they can. Like, it's it's impressive. Nice. Things with mechs are always fun. I know I have a friend who, like, really, really wants... (laughs) Really wants to do something with mechs in it. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe later. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Seamus and them over at Cannibal Halfling have done a surprisingly large amount, specifically around Genesis mech-based stuff. They've done models, they've done a lot of how to like use it. It's kind of impressive, all the stuff that Seamus has put into it and all the thought he's done. And as a resource, I absolutely suggest heading over there. Perfect. Seamus has done up the mechs as, like, vehicles, so they've got hard points on them, so you can customize them, attacks for them, all that sort of stuff. Nice. That's kind of the thing that is probably the... Between that and level one wonk, 
the best reasons for going to Cannibal Halfling Gaming. As I say, weird name, good site. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that looks awesome. Nah, Seamus and Partners are actually really cool. We have made it look incredibly easy to take all of your favorite things to put them into Genesis. You can too! So, Ben, any final thoughts? I've kind of got two here. One is coming up with the one-shot is essentially a session zero unto itself. Yeah. Because you do have work to do. Like, you could go to Cannibal Halfling Games and get the one-shot material for doing your mech stuff, but say you are wanting to do The Last Airbender, or you're wanting to do a, I don't know, Dresden Files, or you're wanting to figure out and do something like how Dice for Brains did Harry Potter and do that in Genesis. uh, They did a really good version of it in Season 7 of Dice for Brains. Like, coming up with a basis for it, especially if you're going to try and inhabit it, it's not something that you just whip up on the fly and then implement. You do have to have a bit of consideration to all of it. That's kind of the reason why I'd suggest having a session zero to it, or at least a pre-discussion to all of this as people then try and figure out what their stats are. That's my practical thing of kind of stealing Reese's normal thing of communication. (laughs) Talk, make sure everyone's on the same page so that you're not getting someone who is really focused in on wanting to do a very specific thing and then the ideas for homebrew rules that you've got don't line up. Have fun, but communicate and make sure at the start everyone's on the same page. Risa? Oh, me too. Yeah. My idea is to brainstorm and have fun and let it be loose. And then when you find something you like, actually think about it and start writing it down. Because while it's really fun to just talk about it and be like, oh my gosh, it would be so much fun. It's also really easy to just forget about things afterwards. So (laughs) once you find an idea you like, start writing it down. Definitely write it down once you find something you like. Don't want to be forgetting it as soon as you think of it, is my advice. Okay, I've got the manual, but I seem to have locked myself out of my mech now. How you doing, Ben? Still need help with your rocket punch or chainsword? I have the answers now. Thanks for the offer, but this small, overly hungry Ugnot was here with some answers, and I was able to figure out the rest, I think. See what this chainsword can do? You can squeeze the handle and extend it to a longer chain to turn it into a sword chain whip. Uh, I've got no idea why you do that, but it looks really cool. Join us next time on a fantastical tale from the Hydean Way. You can find updates on Twitter at the Hydean Way, and I'm at Mice. And you can find me at QuickieKit. We're all at thehydeanway.com, where you can find previous episodes, links to things we talk about in the show, and our live play podcast, Heroes of the Hydean Way. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plus, you can help us up by rating and reviewing us. Drop the holocom at tales at thehydeanway.com. We're also on Facebook as Tales from the Hydean Way. If you like what we do and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash thehydeanway. Or you can give us a calf at ko-fi.com slash thehydeanway. 